Get ready to learn from one of the best in the industry. Our guest this week, Amber Spears, is a highly sought after consultant, speaker, and leader in the affiliate and partnership world. We two, with two-time award-winning industry leader status and recognition as a top marketer by Digital Marketer, her expertise has made her a keynote speaker on prestigious stages like Traffic and Conversion, Affiliate Summit East, and Facebook. Wow. She is the co-founder of East uh, Fifth Avenue, a premier affiliate management education and marketing company, and the founder of Mimosa Mastermind, a program designed to help on entrepreneurs and uh, brands increase their reach and revenue through uh, strategic relationships. With so much experience and knowledge under her belt, Amber is sure to be a valuable addition to our show. Amber, welcome to the show. Thanks, my friend. I'm glad to be here. So I, I ask all of my superhero guests to tell me their backstory, right? How did you get here? Yeah, I, it's unexpected. I don't think that uh, most people, uh, when their kids get asked what they want to be, and they, they end up saying marketers. So certainly it wasn't my, uh, my dream for my future, but uh, basically a convoluted path to get here. But I was the first person in my family to uh, graduate from college. And um, I was a first generation low income college student, fresh off of leaving a, a group home. So I didn't know what I really want to do for my future. And uh, while I was in college, one of my professors said that search engine optimization was the future. And so I decided to take a year or two off to study for the LSAT. And uh, in the meantime, I applied to work at a company that said on Craigslist they had cracked Google's algorithm and uh, ended up working for Michael and Alona. Alona is my business partner now in East Fifth Avenue and started selling search engine optimization door to door to companies that did not want my services. They were paying decks and yellow pages, you know, thousands of dollars a year for that. And I was trying to teach them, hey, this is the future, right? Like in the future, people are gonna use Google not to study research papers, but they're gonna use it to find restaurants, to find your business. And uh, eventually, you know, we built that from a, a very small firm into a large one. And after doing that for six or seven years, I decided to leave that industry and start learning copywriting and jump into the world of direct response and found out very quickly that I'm not a copywriter. <laughs> so I'm more of a people person and that's a lot of, you know, studying, being quiet, being alone. And uh, I was really bored with that and ended up taking over that particular company's affiliate marketing program and growing it from, you know, about 10,000 a month into about 300,000 a month and doing a multi-million dollar launch. And from there, kind of my career took off. And I think I did really well in that position because I had had so much selling experience and to have a really successful affiliate program, the person in the driver's seat, and this is a, you know, something that's not really talked about is the person in the driver's seat of your affiliate program should be somebody who is really good at sales because at the end of the day, it is a selling position. So, you know, I took my skills from doing door to door and then eventually, you know, managing a phone floor and managing salespeople and, handling the largest accounts to then uh, working as an affiliate manager. And then I had so much success doing that, that I ended up opening up my own affiliate management agency and education company. Um, and so that's kind of how I got here, which was a very convoluted path. And I didn't end up getting 
my degree in, in law because I had a lot of law clients, a lot of attorneys that uh, I was working with on the SEO company and they hated what they were doing. Not only one of them said that they liked being a lawyer. So I was like, well, why am I going to do that when I like doing this? You know, this thing is fun and uh, never went back to that path. I mean, one of the uh, one of the guests I had earlier in the in the first, I think in the first season, her name is Brittany Crystal. Uh, she does influencer marketing and, and talks about personal branding and stuff like that. You know, she is a JD bar certified lawyer who did not want to do that anymore. You know, did not want to do it <laughs> at all. Switched over and became this marketing person that does personal brands and, and telling personal brand stories. Makes sense, man. Like literally I had, I think I had over 50 attorney clients uh, while I was working at the SEO agency and only one said that they would do it again if they could, you know, wave the magic wand and start all over. But they were consumed with debt, uh, you know, for law school and all the other stuff. So they felt really trapped. And uh, that was enough for me. That was enough data for me to be like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, yeah, Makes sense. Now yeah. you mentioned affiliate management, affiliate manager, uh, affiliate program, right? And in, in everything you just described, right? For the business owners of today, where they come across YouTube channels that talk about, like the gurus talk about, get your Shopify and connect it to a Facebook ad and boom, that's all you need, right? Mm -hmm. So they have no clue what SEO is, search engine optimization. You mentioned that. And definitely I can tell you, I can willing to bet on it. They don't even know what affiliate management is or, or an affiliate program is. So in your words, and I've seen, I've seen affiliate programs change and, and the definition and who and what is an affiliate program, uh, you know, changes over time. So in your words, with your expertise, how do you define in today in 2023, how do you define uh, affiliate program, affiliate marketing uh, in your words and, and how, can, how can that benefit businesses? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think, you know, first we have to kind of get on the same page of what it is that we're talking about right so in my mind affiliate marketing is kind of the umbrella term for uh things like influencer marketing affiliate you know joint venture marketing uh performance marketing there's a lot of different things that people have underneath that umbrella but i think at the end of the day uh, it, it is the oldest form of marketing because it's a referral based marketing system right so if you think about the earliest forms of commerce, you know, somebody had a guy, right? I had a guy that made shoes. I had a guy that, you know, took cargo off of ships and brought it into the village, right? So everyone has a guy that they recommend that you work with. And this is very similar to affiliate marketing. So I think that's a, an, an important thing to remember is that this is a relationship-based business, whether you have a relationship you know, with one company to another, or if you, your relationship is with your customer that's endorsing your products for a commission. So it's a relationship. And so I think that's a really important thing. And I think the other thing to remember is it's a transfer of trust, right? So if you endorse me and you're saying that Amber is the best at affiliate marketing, you're taking the trust and goodwill that you have with the current listeners and subscribers of your channel, and you're transferring that trust to me. And by transferring that trust, if someone ends up becoming a client of mine, if we had an official affiliate relationship, for example, then you would take a piece of you know, that sale that came to me for transferring that trust to me. So I think at the end of the day, you know, when you really start to kind of boil it down, it's that simple, right? It's really just 
a referral from one company or one person to another. And for making that referral, you get a piece of that transaction. So what do you think are the key advantages of like affiliate marketing uh, in the e-commerce business? And have you seen like the, the, how, how have you seen those benefits play out for businesses? I, I think for me, what I see a lot of companies coming to me for when they want to Im, Im, employ affiliate marketing into their business is they're looking for a way to diversify their traffic. So I think as you start to scale your business, I've heard so many stories of business owners saying, you know, I was growing so well on Facebook or I was doing so well on YouTube. And then one day, you know, the, the terms changed compliant wise and immediately I was booted and I couldn't figure out why. I was removed or, you know, why my ads are not compliant, iPhone why update. my was shut down, right, or whatever it is, <laughs> right? So what we do know to be true is that these, uh, you know, platforms have algorithms and that algorithms change, not based on anything that benefits you, but based on what benefits their shareholders and what benefits, you know, their specific algorithms, because they're, they're, they're free for us to use, but they monetize based on our behaviors. So it's going to be all based on what's going to make them the most money from advertisers, right? So oftentimes, you know, this changes and they don't alert you, they don't tell you, and all of a sudden one day you're compliant and the next day you're not. So when companies come to me to either start or to scale their affiliate programs, they're looking to diversify that because they don't want, either they know that it could happen to them and they're afraid of that happening, or it's already happened to them and they're like, never again, right? So um, I have a, a, a company that I've known and worked with for a long time that was, um, you know, doing around nine figures a year in like the health and wellness category. And they started out with affiliates. So when they first started, they're making zero dollars. They were doing all affiliates. Once they hit about 10 million in revenue, they decided that they were going to move away from that. They wanted to be more proactive in how they were getting customers and they decided to go all in on Facebook and Instagram. So they did that for a long time, grew to nine figures, did really well. And then during COVID, for whatever reason, and this is a company that has very benign, I think, advertising. So it's they're not making outrageous claims, they're not doing before and afters, like nothing like that. It's a very clean company, very, very reputable brand. They got shut down on their ad account. And what ended up happening is that the owners had to come back into the business. They had already put a C-suite in place, uh, come back into the business. They had to do layoffs. They had to do all kinds of stuff because they could not get back on for 18 months. Wow. So imagine that 18 months of, you know, they have access to literally anyone in the world. They're spending millions of dollars a month on this platform and they could not understand why they got removed. So they came to us, had lots of conversations about what to do to kind of, you know, get a customer acquisition model that was based on relationships and not algorithms, which is a big thing that I talk about. This is the benefit of doing this. And so we basically strategize with them and help them find a really great affiliate manager to take over that department, to work on that department every day. And that affiliate manager started doing a lot on email. So they started doing a lot of, you know, paid email drops and things like that. And then they also started doing a lot of podcasts, getting the founders on podcasts, sponsoring podcasts, and, you know, really actively focusing on that channel to grow it. After 18 months, that channel grew so big that it was replacing the revenue that they had before. And then after 18 months, their channel got turned back on. And when their channel got turned back on, now they've doubled the amount of income that they're having. And they know for certain that, you know, at the end of the day, the Facebook might get shut off, right? 
but they're always going to have this channel. So it was an important lesson for them and a, a, a painful lesson, you know, like no one wants to do layoffs, no one wants to do that kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, it had to be done to, to protect the company. Because if you're not able to acquire customers and you have this huge overhead, you know, you have to do something, right? And so I think at the end of the day, it was a good thing for their company um, because it forced them to think of something else, forced them to think outside the box. And now they don't have to have sleepless nights worrying if that ever happens to, the get, to them again, they're going to be able to cover payroll and all these other things because they have this in their business now. You know, if you if you go to uh, if I use this analogy, if you go to a um, you have a bunch of money, whether it's your four hundred one k or or you, your own money, right? That uh, when you when you go to a money manager or portfolio manager, the first thing out of their mouth is uh, you have to divert, divert, diversify, right? That right. you hear, hear that word, and in case of e commerce, you have to do that diversification because of many reasons you actually pointed to many important ones in there the most imp the most recent thing that hurt a lot of companies a lot of e-commerce companies was the iphone update yeah and and it was not necessarily iphone update that caused the problem the problem was too many shopify owners or you know i'm using shopify because it's the most popular one but it could be woocommerce it could be squarespace it doesn't matter e-commerce site right they all pretty much put all of their eggs in one basket and that basket being Facebook ads. <laughs> right. And then Facebook came out and said, well, we're trying to figure out how to get around this thing. We have not figured it out. I think still they're going through that right now, right? And it's hurting their, 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 their uh, uh, income and revenue and stuff like that too. So when you do that, you are actually not, what you are is you put all of your eggs in one basket. You did not diversify. And sometimes that, that diversification also means you mentioned SEO, you mentioned email marketing. I've come across so many companies that don't even do email marketing, but they sell things that are replenishable, meaning that the bottle of vitamins is going to run out in 30 days. You know, how are you going to get reached back out? Oh, we're going to just run more ads. Are you insane? <laughs> you have their email, you have, you could do SMS. There's so many things that you could do. You're going the most expensive route by doing it. So I think having all of these channels, Amber, in my view, and I would love to hear your uh, your thoughts on the subject, right, is diversification of risk to your business. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of scaling your business is identifying where you have single points of failure, you know, where you have one merchant processor, you know, what happens if that gets turned off? You know, you have one way of acquiring customers, what happens if that gets shut down? And I think that's the same thing for affiliate marketing. You know, when I have clients that come to me and they're like, I want to scale my affiliate program. And I start digging underneath the hood and I realize that the only way that they've acquired customers is with affiliates. I start to get very concerned for them because if they lose one or two of their top affiliate partners for whatever reason, whether, you know, the numbers don't make sense for the affiliates anymore, you know, their offers not converting well, they had a falling out with the owner, whatever it is, right? Because when you're dealing with human beings, that's one of the, the cons of this is you're dealing with a, another person who may not share your view on certain things, right? So I think that that's, um, that's very concerning to me when I look in underneath the hood and I see that. I feel the same way when I look under the hood of a company and I see that they're only doing paid media. You know, I'm like, why, why are you doing that? That's it's, it's not smart. I want you to diversify your traffic. Uh, I think a healthy kind of traffic source for affiliates is 
between 20 and up to 40%. I think once you start going past 40% and that's that, that's the way that you're acquiring customers, I start to get concerned for you, right? So I think that's kind of a, a, a rule of thumb, but that's, that's what I recommend to anyone is looking at how you're acquiring customers or what's going on in your business where you have single points of failure. You know, one employee that if they left would completely destroy your company, right? One, you know, one mid, one way of acquiring customers. There's just all these different things and then adding you know, multiple backups to that and making sure that that's, that's thought of before the calamity happens, because that's, that's really where I think the, the strongest businesses focus on. Yeah. And uh, you actually pointed to what I call your deepest scars, you know, <laughs> and I love mm -hmm. that, you know, because you, you made a statement. Uh, I know that it only comes from a place of experience, right? It's that it's not some theoretical stuff. And the question I want, I want to ask you is it's not, you know, you know, just like in dating, it's the right gal and the right guy, right? Yeah. So, you know, whatever right you're time. into, right? <laughs> At the right time. Not, yeah. not that it's too many dates, you know, you're right. not dating just about anyone and you're not saying yes to everyone, you know? Right. Uh, with the affiliates, things could get out of hand. And I've run a lot of affiliate programs, right? And I've been part of affiliate programs where I needed to optimize it because, the, you know, it was an amateur affiliate pro manager that taught that um, the numbers mattered, right? Mm -hmm. How do you, well, how do you define the right affiliates for your for your business? Because it's not the numbers; it's the quality, right? But it's also the kind of affiliates you you add to your uh, your program. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, every business is different, so for every business, the best affiliates are going to to vary. Uh, I think a good kind of quick and dirty rule of thumb is for me, I don't like coupon code site affiliates or things like that. I think they're very parasitic to, you know, what we're doing. Some people love them. I think it's the easiest form of, of working with affiliates. I think it's the laziest way of doing it. Um, for me, I tend to look at people that are um, complementary to my products and services. I don't look at anybody as competitive. So I know if somebody, like for example, if I have a weight loss supplement, that more than likely that somebody who's in pain, who's wanting to lose weight, is going to try multiple different types of supplements, multiple different types of programs until they find their current sweet spot, which can change. So to me, I've never looked at another weight loss supplement as a competitive product to me. I look at them as we're serving the same customer. Some people might say, okay, well, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that because I really care about keeping them on subscription. And I'm worried that if you know they're on subscription with me and then they try something else and they're gonna cancel my subscription, okay, fine. What if you think about um, things like, you know you don't offer coaching, right? So maybe you don't have the structure to do high ticket coaching for weight loss and people need a little bit more support. So you can implement that into you know your programs, into your autoresponders or into your thank you pages or have that sort of tight relationship with that particular affiliate so that now you're increasing your lifetime customer value, giving them more additional support by adding that in. And you don't have to staff that, right? You don't have to have coaches on staff and working the phones and doing that kind of stuff, but you get to benefit from sending them customers. Or maybe, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to have workout bands or you don't want to have, you know, uh, other things that are complementary. And that's one way of looking at different affiliates to work with. There's another way of looking at it too, of just peeling back the layers and looking at who you're actually serving, right? So if I'm serving women over the age of 45 who care about improving their health, they're probably also gonna want to improve their wealth. 
they're probably also going to want to improve their dating mm. life. They're probably also going to want to improve different things. So I, what I encourage my clients to think about is don't think about them as this one dimensional person. Think of them as a whole person. Think of them as your mom. Your mom might be into salsa dancing, but she's probably also into X, Y, Z things. So trying to find the best in those categories, right? Who's the best in dating? Who's the best in weight loss? Who's the best in tech? Who's the best in this and best in class and everything? And those could be your affiliate partners. So rather than having your client or your customer go out and find those people on their own, you are vetting them, you're finding them best in class, you're setting up a relationship where you're transferring trust from one company to another, and you're you're bringing them the best quality things. And you're recommending those things. So then you're getting a percentage of that sale because you looked outside of who they were and just this one thing that they are to you. And you started thinking of them in a more holistic way. That makes total sense. Now you meant, you meant you use the word best so many times in that sense, you know, in, in, in that thought, right? So I want to ask you the best in class example that you have experienced given your, your lengthy experience that you've had in this field, best in class ex experience. And if you could take us through that and, and also tell us what, what, what made them so effective at their affiliate program. Yeah, I think, again, that varies from company to company. So some companies, uh, all they care about is if I punch in this offer, I promote this thing, what comes out the other end? If the numbers make sense, then this is the best affiliate for me to work with. There are other companies that say, I don't, I don't care so much about making the maximum dollar amount. I have a threshold that I'd like to make. Right. But what I care about is the quality of their products. I care about how they treat their customers. Right. So I have a, a category of, of clients that say, I will not work with this type of affiliate because I seated myself on their list and they're sending 14 emails a day. So I don't care how much money I make from sending their offers. I don't like how they treat the customers. So I don't want to send them there. Right. So like that, you know, there's another group of people that are like, I don't care that they hit up my customers 14 times because every time I promote them, you know, it blows out my metrics. I make 4X what I normally make from sending any third party offer. And I really care about that because I'm spending a ton on media to acquire that customer. And I want to close that gap just as quickly as I possibly can, you know, because I'm in the red acquiring them. Right. So I'm, I'm fine sending this type of offer. So again, it's, it's really hard to say this is the best or this is the best. It's really about what is most important for you as a company. What do you care about and what is the current circumstances of what you're in? I always tell clients, you know, they, they, this is a, a very common thing that I get from clients. They're like, we want to protect our brand and we don't want to promote anybody else. Right. So how do we get people to just promote us one way? We don't promote them. Right. Cause this is what we want. Then my answer always is to them. There is a way of doing that. And the way that you do that is you have to have the highest converting offer. That's going to be best in class. And that's determined by the market, right? That's not determined by you. There is a, there is a gold standard that every niche has of who is paying the best, who's paying the most. So you, you have to match that or beat it. You have to pay them faster, right? Pay them more than anybody else will. And under those conditions, you're going to get people promoting you one way. If your offer doesn't pass that sniff test, which most of them are not, then you have to figure out how to work with them creatively. And maybe you don't promote a hundred different affiliates a year. Maybe you promote 20 quality affiliates a year and that's who you, you know, you promote back and the rest of them, you're just going to pay them more to promote one way, pay them faster. Right? So like, that's a common thing that most people want. Everybody wants traffic. 
Most people don't want to send it back. Well, that's a that's a problem unless you have the best in class offer that is going to, you know, be the 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 thing that makes them the most amount of money when they promote it. So given that, like, what are the common mistakes? Let's talk about the other side of it. What are the common mistakes that businesses do when, when they're working on their affiliate program? What, what are the most common ones? I can think of a few, you know, but I want to hear your thoughts and then I'm going to pitch you some, some more. Yeah. Well, I think when you're new to this, you just don't know what you're asking for, right? I think that's common in any industry, right? So like, I'll have clients that join my groups, right? So we have different tiers of which people can work with us, but the, the lowest tier is essentially a networking membership. So they pay money to be in the networking membership. And they think that because they paid money to be in the networking membership, that they can pay for the membership and they can come in and everybody's just going to work with them. Well, the answer is that this is a relationship-based business. It's just like any mastermind. You don't pay money and then never show up. And then you're mad at the mastermind owner for you not getting any business, right? It's like, well, you get what you give, right? So that's mistake number one is thinking that because you paid money that you get to jump to the front of the line and that makes you like incredibly special. The other thing is not understanding, again, what the market sets as best practice. So if you're offering, let's say a $20 CPA and your competitors in that class for your widget or for your program are offering a hundred, well, that's a huge gap. You know, it's a huge gap. And I understand that you don't have the margin to offer a hundred maybe, but you need to figure out how to get better at optimizing your funnel and increase your average order value and increasing your lifetime customer value. So you can be best in class because you, you never, or you're never going to be able to compete. But if you don't take the time to study, to talk to people in your industry, to look at what's going on with your company in comparison to other people, you're not going to know what's, what's going on. So you're going to join these groups. And you're going to tell people, here's my offer, here's how much I pay. And then people are going to be like, okay, that's cool. But, you know, I'm working with this person that does the same exact thing you do. And I'm getting $100 from them. And the conversion rates is basically the same. So I like you as a person, but it's a stupid business decision, right? So I think that's another thing that's really important. It's like you, you just, you can't, you can't shortcut your learnings, right? You, this comes with experience and it comes with reps. I think another mistake that I see in particular with e-commerce uh, companies that's very unique to them, that's something that I've only really seen with them, is that they tend to not have the right assets to work with a wide variety of affiliates. Meaning, you know, usually it's like they're used to running an ad, right? You're running an ad to that particular SKU or running an ad to the homepage of their website. That doesn't really work with traditional affiliate marketing. You need to tell them a story. They don't know you from Adam, right? So like having the right assets. So having a video sales letter, having an advertorial, having a long form sales page, having a uh, proven and tested email swipe, you know, having a hybrid e-commerce page. Most of them don't have that when they're first starting to come in. And then they get really frustrated because they're like, hey, I paid to be in these groups and I want to do affiliate marketing, but I don't know who to meet. And I... I'm not getting any traction because I don't know like what's going on. And usually it's because they don't have the right assets for me to even promote them. A lot of times they don't even have tracking software installed in their stuff. So it's like, if I promote you, it just what goes into the ether. So you get a customer. Yeah, how do I like, get paid? <laughs> doesn't track back to me. Like, you know, really simple. And that comes from just not knowing, right. They just, it comes from just ignorance and that's not, it's not to say, and I tell this to so many of my clients, especially e-commerce clients, it's like, I know you're not new to business, right? You're not new to business, but you're new to this type of business. So we need to get you from a beginner here and be willing to humble yourself enough 
to say, I don't know. I want to hire experts to shortcut my learnings because I'm impatient. Most entrepreneurs are. And then once you hire these people, listen to what they're saying, right? If I'm telling you that everybody else in your category is doing a video sales letter and you're fighting me tooth and nail saying, well, we've always done it this way, add to landing page. And I'm telling you, like, I understand that, but you need to spend money to develop this you know, particular thing if you wanna be competitive with everybody else and don't tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I think that's another thing, another mistake that I see quite often is like, you, if you don't know and you hire somebody, listen to them and implement what they're saying or else you're just wasting money and, and everybody's time. So one thing I wanna pick on what you said there, uh, knowing your business, right? Knowing your business KPIs and customer metrics, transactional metrics, right? And also understanding that even within paid media, for example, there's a huge difference between how you promote on Google ads versus Facebook ads. Totally. Even though it's called paid media, right? It, you cannot totally. lump it together. Versus if you do TikTok ads, completely different. You know? Totally. Mm -hmm. And so is when you're talking about a new channel, like an affiliate channel, it has its own rhythm. It has, you're not working with just, um, you know, an auction-based ad platform. There right. are human beings involved in that, you know, and, and they promote things the way they want to promote it because that's their right. platform, right? Right. You need to understand, first of all, first, you need to understand your business, knowing you mentioned lifetime value, right? I come mm -hmm. across so many business owners, they don't understand that concept at all. They don't. It right. doesn't matter if it's an e-commerce company, insurance company, or cars, you know? They just don't understand the lifetime value. They just understand transactional. Oh, what is your average order? They'll say, oh, it's 50 bucks. Okay. What's your margin? Uh... <laughs> right. They don't even know margin. Like if I go like, okay, can I assume it's 50%? But I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm using a number when I'm making an assumption. I know industry numbers, you know, based on right. the industry. But I don't know. Do you make your stuff, your widgets expensive and you have very low right. margin? Or you, you make it a really on the cheap, but it's high quality product. So you have a, a ton of margin in it, right? So um, I don't know any of that stuff. And you are supposed to know it as a business owner. So knowing your KPIs are important because that's where you're spending the money to pay the affiliates. Totally. To, to run your ads, to do bonus programs and other types of things in the affiliate program. We'll talk about those more, you know, a, a little bit uh, further down. But uh, I, I think that, Knowing your business is such an important advice that regardless of the channel, they should know their numbers. As a business owner, you have to know your numbers. And you, the answer when somebody like me or Amber comes to you and asks you that question, you can't say, oh, let me check in with my accountant. I'll get back to right. you after I speak to him or her. That's not an answer. <laughs> well, it is an answer that a lot of people give, but it's not one that you know makes it very clear and easy to help you. Right. If you don't know that. And I think one of the things that is so cool about affiliate marketing is, you know, especially if somebody like doesn't have a lot of repeat orders. So if you can't get somebody on subscription, I'm always shocked at why a lot of the, the e-commerce people I'm working with aren't doing third party offers, which is like affiliate marketing. It's like they're not rebuying your widget. Right. So you have a huge database of customers that you're not talking to at all and you're not sending third-party offers. So if you were doing that and you could find some great third-party offers that you could promote to that audience, now you could triple 
quadruple, 10x even your lifetime customer value because they're buying things from you know your affiliate partners that now you can increase the amount of money that you're spending to acquire a customer, right? So I just think that that's something that a lot of people fail to do and it's something that they've poo-pooed for a long time. But if you could implement that into your company and, and represent brands that you're proud of that have a good conversion rate that pay you well, then you have a whole new revenue stream into your company you didn't have before from your existing customer base. Yeah, I've, I've seen some examples of that, right? I mean, uh, you, you know, uh, you could be selling XYZ product, but it's a one-time purchase or occasional purchase like flowers or chocolate or right. something like that. It's okay, it's occasional. It's not like vitamins that I buy every 30 days, you know? Right. Uh, and uh, But I've seen those kind of offers where, uh, you know, after you bought from them, they say, oh, we have a third-party partner. Here's their program. We encourage you to apply for it. It could be insurance. It could be credit card, it could be complementary products to your product where you're, it's not competing. But, you know, if they buy it, you're getting per lead or per transaction, you're getting a, a nice kickback for your business. And that could become a pretty good revenue stream on its own. Totally. Like that's, that's one of the strongest revenue streams that many of my clients have, you know, especially if before they didn't have it, once they start doing it, they're like, oh my God, I was living six figures a month in pure profit. <laughs> for my company just for referral right by just referring products that they're going to use anyways like and then when i'm working with this other company you know what's cool is if they're cross-promoting each other now you're not only transferring the trust from one brand or another it's like pr right so i'm pring to their audience we're doing an audience swap and it's like a really cool concept when you really start digging underneath the hood and those people end up becoming friends of yours usually you're doing so much business, you're doing hundreds of thousands at scale, hundreds of thousands, not millions of dollars a year with these people, you're seeing them at industry events. And like now you're buddies, you're all invested in each other's success, right? You're sharing secrets that you normally wouldn't share because these people are, are not only friends, they're also people that drive customers to you. So you, you want them, them to grow. You want them to get better acquiring customers because they're gonna end up being customers of yours. And it just feels better as an entrepreneur. It feels a lot less lonely, I think. You know, like that's that's something that some, you know, businesses can be really tough. It can be really hard. It can be, it can be a grind, you know, but knowing that I have somebody who's invested in my success as well, because we have this partnership feels good, you know, and sometimes they're your heroes, right? I work with my marketing heroes all the time. I get to work with brands I love, like, you know, what, somebody that's one of my friends and has come and spoken at my events is Mickey Agraval. I love her. Like I have, I've, followed her career for many years and then I ended up you know, tushy, being right? there and she's not nah, tushy like I loved yep, yep, every home I've been in I have I have a tushy in my house you know what I mean and like now we're friends and then I met her sister Arata through you know Daybreaker I've been a Daybreaker community member for many years love what they built I you know thinks period panties like before they sold like you know that that whole story is like so amazing Perry Belcher right like when I first started in this industry I was listening to all their audios and all this other stuff for digital marketer. Now we're a dear friends and he comes and speaks at my events. It's just so cool. There's like something so fun about that that you just don't get when you're doing paid media. That's another element that's really, really special. So we, we mentioned um, numbers, familiarizing with your number, your own businesses metrics and KPIs and stuff like that. What other challenges do you think businesses face when they're implementing uh, an affiliate program? One of the biggest things that I see that's a big mistake or, or something that causes challenges is I, I've had clients that say, 
Oh, Amber, I, I'd love to do affiliate marketing, but it's just it's so up and down for me. It's a roller coaster. And my answer is it's usually because you have not had somebody devoted or dedicated to growing that channel in your business, right? If you were to say, you know, Amber, I'm going to learn YouTube uh, this year and I'm going to completely crush that channel. You would buy the books. You would have someone on your team dedicated to learning the algorithm. You would hire consultants. You would go all in on it, right? And it's weird when it comes to affiliate marketing that people implement it into their business and then they just set it and forget it. They just think that people are going to come to them and promote their offers. They get discouraged when it doesn't happen. Or their affiliate manager is also their executive assistant, who's also their head of social media, who's also their blah, 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 right? So it's like, how can you expect this channel to grow when you don't take the time? You said with your mouth that it's a priority, and then you said with your actions that it's not, right? So like, that's just the same in anything that you do in business and also in your personal life. Like, you can say until you're blue in the face that you want to boyfriend or a, or a girlfriend, but you're not on any of the dating apps. You don't respond to text messages. You're not leaving your house. All you do is hang out and watch Netflix, right? Like that's, it's the same. So I think like, that's really something that I look for is when someone comes to me, hey, Amber, I want to do this. I'm like, okay, well, how invested are you really? You know, how much of a priority is it really? How big of an initiative is it really? If it's behind 14 other things, you don't have the staff, you don't have the time. That's another thing that like, I want to do it, but I don't have the time. So can you just do it for me? I could do it for you when I first started my career, I would do that. I'd say, yeah, of course I can do it because I could see the end for you, right? You don't know the difference between making 10,000 a month in your affiliate program, making a million, but I know you could make a million a month if you really focused on it, right? So you don't know the difference. It's, it's like, it is what it is to you. But if I started digging underneath the hood and I realized that the owner has no time to talk to me, has no time to talk to their team about it, has, you know, has no desire to learn the channel. It's like, well, then you're really not, not you're, you're a nightmare client because you're like the type of person that didn't take enough time to slow down to invest in learning it. So you're always going to be fleeced by an agency that's going to just do enough to keep you on retainer indefinitely. You're never going to have good relationships with affiliates. Like it's not the right person, right? So I would really look inside of yourself and say, if this is something that you want to do and you're committed to it, show me that you're committed to it by your actions and your words, right? And that's a really big thing that I've had to learn the hard way in working with clients. Yeah, I mean, you're so on, on point on that. Like I come across so many business owners, they're they're making, I don't know, two, two and a half million dollars a year in, in their business, right? It's a pretty good business. It's not a side hustle, it's a good business, right? Right. Uh, and then I asked them about their team, right? Tell me about the team, who, who handles what, right? And usually it's like one person, Right. And Doing that one everything. person, uh, where did you where did you find them? Oh, they graduated college or they're going to college right now and they run this thing. Okay. Uh, how much do they know about this specific field? Oh no, XYZ, he or she is really smart, you know. She yeah. does she does of updates course they're smart. to her, uh, <laughs> Shopify site and then they get our ads up there and stuff like that. As soon as I hear that, that's that's a red flag. That's a, yeah. To me, it's a red flag, meaning that, okay, you know what? That may have made sense when you when your business was $200,000 a year, right? Because you couldn't afford it or any of those kind of things. But when you're scaling it, you definitely, you're going to hit a roadblock where that person's ability to not be able to execute things properly because they don't have the expertise, it's your fault. <laughs> 100% it's your fault. It's not their fault, you know? 
because he just right. kept on expanding their responsibility and that at $200,000, it made sense. Maybe up to a million, it may have made sense. But when you're getting into this 3 million, 10 million range, you really need to have more specialists or partners, freelancers that, that can focus in, in those areas. I agree with you. And I think that, you know, in my experience, the team that got you to, you know, 100,000, 200,000 is not going to be the team that gets you to 5 million. It's certainly not going to be the team that gets you to 20 million, right? Like you're going to have to have changes in that. Your own leadership and capabilities are also going to have to change and improve and grow in order to lead a team like that, or you're going to have to be replaced by somebody who's capable of doing that, right? So I think that that's a, an important thing to know. And I think they're, you know, I, I'm feeling tender and sensitive to that business owner that that is like, yeah, but they've been with me from the beginning, right? Oh, yeah. Like I have loyalty to this person and I love that. That's the right person in the company that is in the wrong seat or is in too many seats. You can't be the bus driver and the person who gets driven. So I think that's another thing is just really looking at it and being like, okay, I want to keep this person. I really value this person. And I'm sensitive to that because that that's the person that got you there. Right. But they're also, you have to acknowledge that they're drowning, right? They're drowning and they're not able to do all of these things well all the time. They're probably would be delighted for you to mm -hmm. hire somebody to take off the things off their plate that they hate doing. Right. And so there's also that fear as well of being like, we finally got to the point where we're profitable and I'm making enough money where like, I'm happy with the amount of money I'm making, but now I have to hire this expensive person. That's going to mean I take home 50% less, right? Like that's also a fear of, of growing and kind of letting go. And so that's why hiring is so important and, and really taking your time to hire the right person and making sure that you vet that this person has a skill set to be able to do it, hire slowly and then fire quickly if it's not, it's not the right role, right? So I just think that, you know, what I tell people when they are fearful of hiring an affiliate manager, they're like, oh my God, I'm just, you know, what if it fails, right? Like, what if I hire this person and it doesn't work out? I say, what if it does? Because I've seen so many great affiliate managers. We've headhunted, you know, dozens and dozens of, and dozens of them. We work with hundreds of companies over the years, you know, every year, thousands of companies over the years that we've had a company. So like what I've, what I can tell you is what if it works out? I've seen even just this year, we hired somebody in the, uh, in the golf niche that came in, they did not have someone full-time in this. And this person had selling experience, but no affiliate management experience. We put them through our programs and protocols, which by the way, is my favorite type of hire. Somebody who has sales experience, but does not have affiliate marketing experience, put them through our program and they are adding eight figures a year wow. already to that business, right? So what if it does, we've had bartenders and hairdressers that have come through our program and off and immediately put in you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, millions of dollars a year. So I think that's the wrong question. You're asking yourself the wrong question. It shouldn't be fear-based, right? It should be like, what if it works beyond my wildest expectations? And that's something that we have to, I think, retrain ourselves as entrepreneurs. It's like, we, a lot of us tend to, to have a lot of fear because it's our baby, it's our livelihood, right? And so we, we tend to be so careful that we strangle our own growth. And we strangle our team members because we give them too much to do. That becomes outside of their wheelhouse. It, it burns them out. They lose passion for it, right? And so I just would encourage anybody listening that, you know, think about it from a different perspective and know that it's been done over and over and over and over again. And so what you should do is go, even if it's not me, but you're dedicated to this, go out and find somebody who can collapse time for you and help you find this right person and structure your program well so that you have more chances to succeed faster.
And uh, as your business is growing, right, uh, there are, it comes with its own bag of, uh, like we discussed some of it, it, its own like set of growing pains, right, for a growing company. When it comes to affiliate program, what are some of the other growing pains? Like, you know, in the beginning, it may have made sense to give everything to Kimi or Jimmy, right, in the very beginning, give them, they run everything for you. But the thing is, now you're going to hit some sort of a pivot point, you have to pivot. Uh, when you're growing and scaling your business, uh, what what are some of the what were some of those things that uh, you know it becomes complex? So how do you approach some of those kind of challenges? Similar to what I mentioned before, like one I think is looking at single points of failure, right? So like if you have an affiliate manager who's the only person in that department, in order for it to be a department, do you need to have more people in there? So I think that's the first thing is like looking at your affiliate manager and seeing what they're really doing every day. One of the things that I see most often is their affiliate manager is hunting new affiliate partners. They're also managing the current affiliates that they have. They're also making sure that everyone has their 1099s. They're also doing admin, you know, at the end of the day. So it's like, okay, if you if they have 40 hours a week to work with you and 20 hours a week are being spent doing admin, it's time to replace that that role with someone new so that the bookkeeper or the finance person can be doing the admin, right? Or they're spending time, your tracking is not very clean and you're spending all their time, you know, digging around in the back end of Entreport. It's like, that's not the best use of their time. For this channel to grow, you need to have a hunter in the hunter position hunting, not hunting and farming and gathering and making baskets, right? You need to be really clear on what that is. And to have a department, it needs to be a department. It needs to have multiple people and who's managing that person, right? So I think that that's like one thing to kind of note is like, this is a single point of failure here. If this person leaves, they take all the relationships with them. You know, they take all the knowledge of who's being paid what and what's happening with them. So really making sure that that's fixed. And also as you scale, right? As you have a high converting offer, people start coming to you as opposed to you going out and trying to attract them into your products and services. So then you become more at risk, you know, for things like, okay, my offer's performing really well, now it's more of a target of fraud. So if I put it on networks, maybe I should uh, whitelist my offer instead of letting anyone pick it up and run with it, right? So that's one thing, or, you know, there there's just so many different things that you learn as you go along, especially things like I had a really hot offer and it started fatiguing. That's one thing that I see quite often from my clients is like they had a blockbuster offer, they did really well for a really long time. And then it started fatiguing and kind of dying in terms of like what their offer was doing with affiliates. So affiliates kind of started dropping off and ghosting them. What I see a lot of times is like, maybe it's not your offer that you need to put to bed. And I'm on the hunt of making a new blockbuster offer. Maybe what you need to do is change the front end of it and get a new VSL in here, a new hook, or maybe you're going to change it to a long form sales letter or maybe you need you haven't ever tried this particular offer on native. You've only ever been running it on email or you've only ever been running it on Facebook. And so now if you added this same offer to a new channel, you have a way of growing and acquiring customers. So it's hard to create a blockbuster offer, right? And it, it, looking at things and they start to fatigue. If like this, I'll give you a good example is, is we had a client that launched twice a year and they had a very, very great offer. It was a cancer-based offer um, a natural like healing offer and it did really well. But after launching it twice a year, it, the, the, the conversion rate started to go down every part of it. And what I talked to the owner about is like, listen, dude, they've seen this offer so many times. 
your, your audience swapping and you haven't changed anything. You haven't changed the emails. You haven't changed the graphics. You haven't changed the, the hooks. You've changed nothing about this, none of the messaging. So that's starting to fatigue. So go back and change that and let's see what happens. You don't have to change the product. You just have to change the clothes that it's wearing, right? To look new so that we can kind of get some new eyeballs on it. And they did that and conversion rate went back up. So I think that's another thing that you learn as you're kind of going along is like, you know, is this an offer I need to put to bed or is this something where I can change clothes and it looks different. So now I'm, I'm attracting new types of customers in. So you mentioned um, uh, affiliate networks, you know, in that description. So what, um, what other technology, I mean, what role does technology and automation play in your affiliate program? How do you leverage it to, so that you have 17 arms and not just two, and it's not just eight hours a day, you have 26 hours a day. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm the person that still hits control alt delete on my iMac and that's a Windows thing. So I'm not the best when it comes to <laughs> technology. I think you and I tried three different times to get this to happen with weirdly technology. By the way, audience, she is absolutely right about that. <laughs> we tried this is why this this episode is so important. This topic was so important <laughs> to me. We had to reschedule three times because we had technical issues three times already. So, and I'm pretty sure it was on my end, you know. Take no, no, I think I think once it was me. Uh, <laughs> Twice think, it was me. <laughs> yeah, and then once yeah. we had the scheduling issue. Yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry, Amber. No worries. So when it comes to tech, I mean, I'm going to tell you, like, I'm not the person in my company that is the wizard at this. What I'm good at is strategy. And I'll tell you that I've tried every type of tech platform, you know, as an affiliate manager, Cake has offered Post Affiliate Pro, you know, Entrepore, Infusionsoft, like all of them, as long as they track well and uh, it's clear on what's happening from the affiliate perspective, I like it all, right? So um, that's, the, that is what it is. When it comes to AI, one way that we're using it in our company is uh, using it to, to write really great cold outreach email, using it to create good blog posts, using it for me to, to create content, to, to support me in the content that I'm sharing, you know, publicly. Um, that's all kinds of, of cool stuff like that. We're also using AI tools right now to uh, scrape for, for emails when we're prospecting for our company, those kinds of things, which will all be really beneficial and, and really great. And, and I love that for us because it, it saves us time and has saved us a lot of money from hiring, you know, copywriters to do all that stuff for us and waiting for a long, a long time for it, for it to come back to us. Right. So that's been great. But what I'd say at the end of the day is this, at the end of the day is a relationship based business. And there is just no, I don't care, you know, how great you get at, at all of this stuff. At the end of the day, you are still working with somebody on the other end. That's a human being. And so the gold standard, that was always going to apply. And the way that you grow it is by taking care of the current affiliates that you have. And then figuring out ways to continue to motivate them and whatever it is that motivates them. And when you do a good job, then you ask for referrals. Because when you ask for referrals, that's the best way of doing it. And one of my favorite ways of doing this is an intro swap. So if you have an affiliate manager or you're running your affiliate program, what I do is make sure that you're treating all of your affiliates like gold. And then you go to them and you say, hey, listen, would you be open to uh, introducing me to somebody that you're working with that I don't know yet? that would be a good fit to promote my offers. If they do that, then I'll obviously second tier you on that so that you're getting paid for that valuable introduction wow. and I'll do the same thing for you, right? So one of the things that I did when I was an affiliate manager that grew our, our business really, really quickly and that I teach all my affiliate managers to do in all of our training programs is 
go to an affiliate manager that you have a good relationship with and commit to once a month sending an introduction to each other you know that's new so if you did that with one affiliate partner that's 12 good introductions over the course of a year 12 new quality affiliates that are vetted that they've worked with before that they've had good relationships with and if you did that with four of your partners per year think of how quickly that multiplies and how quickly that grows right so now you don't have to go to every single conference you know you don't have to to be scouring the boards to do as much cold prospecting because you're getting those warm intros and i think it's a really smart way of doing it it only works if you take good care of your affiliate partners and you take good care of your affiliate program i look at it uh, as a table you know when i'm when clients are trying to talk to me through things about their program i always say i think of your affiliate program as a table Right. And on top of the table is the actual program and the sturdiness of that program is going to be determined by the two legs that support it. On one side, I'm going to be looking at the structure of it, which is going to be determined by the industry. Right. Best practice. What type of offer do you have? How much commission are you giving? How much CPA? How quickly? How well does it convert? What tracking software is it on? How quickly does your page load? All these things. Right. So this is all the structure of it. The other side is the people. So who's in the driver's seat? Are they doing it full time? Do they know what they're doing? Are they responsive when affiliates reach out for assets? Do you have, you know, do you have the right person in the driver's seat that's comfortable with quotas and hunting and commission? Because that's going to be the type of person there. And on the other side is, do you have the right people that are promoting your affiliate program? Is it a bunch of coupon code review sites that are parasitic to your traffic, or do you have a bunch of people that are invested in your success? that you can find more of those types of people, right? So I think it's just kind of looking at the lens of that. And that's a really quick and dirty way of saying, let me look at my program from that lens, the structure and the people, and do we have the right things in place to make this a very sturdy table that we can put a lot of weight on? So I'm gonna ask you two questions because you, you mentioned both sides of that that uh, equation, right? Yeah. On the affiliate side of it, what is a fair commission rate or payout to the affiliate for referring traffic to you that converts? And on the other side of it, on the people side of it, you mentioned affiliate manager. Let's say if I'm a business and I want to go and hire an affiliate manager, uh, make them responsible for that. What, what is your recommendation for compensation and salary considerations you would do? Because the thing is, they're responsible for sales, for keep yes. on generating sales, right? So how do you handle both sides of that equation? So it's hard to say on the, you know, on the structure of your program, how much you should be paying, you know, because every industry is different. Every niche is different, right? So in some categories, a $20 CPA might be astronomical. In some categories, a $20 CPA might be nothing. In some categories, a, you know, a dollar per lead guarantee might be huge. In other categories, like for example, in health and wellness, a quick and dirty thing in health and wellness is a $20 uh, earning per lead guarantee is what's considered industry standard, right? So for some industries that might be insane. In financial, that number starts at 10 to even $25 an opt-in, right? So like them getting a $2 you know, offer is like nothing. So it's really important to understand what you're doing and, and that that's determined by the type of company that you have. So I think that's that's a tough one. But what I would say is you can figure that out by looking at your competitors, by looking on forums, by talking to people at your network, by, you know, by talking to your friends that are in the industry to kind of determine what that is and what that should be. And also knowing looking apples and apples you know, on the outside are just not accurate. And what I mean by that is I had a client that's like, hey, I, you know, I modeled my whole precious metals offer off of this particular industry giant, right? 
this particular industry giant is who I want to be like. So I basically modeled, you know, my affiliate program and my copy and my flow off of them. So I know it's going to be great. And my answer was, you have no idea what's happening on the back end of that company. You don't have a phone for That's the reason why they can give such a high CPA, right? You don't have a great autoresponder sequence of third-party offers. You don't have all these other things. So you're going to lose your friggin' shirt. You need to understand what it is that you're doing. <laughs> so I think that's the one thing is like really understanding what's happening on, on your business. And we've talked about that before. That's been such a golden thread in our entire conversation is knowing your business. When it comes to an affiliate manager, a quick and kind of dirty rule of thumb is there's going to be different types of affiliate managers you can work with. You can hire an agency. They're usually going to be a standard five to 10,000 a month plus a percentage of sales, right? Make sure that those people are not putting you only on coupon code review sites, which is what 90% of them are going to do. It's the easiest, fastest way to do it. So you need to make sure that they're not doing that. The second part is kind of guns for hire, mercenaries for hire. I, I like calling them that. I was one of them for a long time. I have a few different clients that I represent. I broker traffic for them, right? With my contacts, my relationships, I usually get paid two to 4,000, sometimes even, you know, high end 10,000 a month, which is very rare, plus a percentage of sales or, or second tier, right? So the, that's another group that you can use. If you don't need someone full time, that's a good kind of option for you because you're, you're basically acquiring their book of business for that. And then you have your in-house affiliate managers, which is something I always recommend. If you're doing over, you know, three to five million a year, like you have to get an in-house person. Like that's really what's going to move the needle the most for your company. I like to look for people again that are um, good with sales. They've had a long track record of success in sales. And I like to put them through a program like mine. They're usually going to start between $55,000 a year base up to $65,000 a year base commission or base and then commission, right? So you can basically pay them to a little bit less to manage your current affiliates because you want them actively engaged in managing the current people that you have, right? You said this before, if you're acquiring customers, you know, on paid media and then you're not having them, you know, get emailed third-party offers, what are you doing? It's the same thing here. Why are you working so hard to find affiliate partners and then you're not taking care of them? It doesn't make sense. So pay them a little bit more to manage that current cohort of affiliates and then pay them more on percentage on the new business that they're that they're growing and bringing in, right? So it all depends on what your margins are in your company and what your goals are and what you're going to pay that person. A very experienced affiliate manager, someone who's going to come in here and just blow the doors off of your company that you should hire when you have your numbers in place and you understand your business and you understand where you are in that totem pole is going to cost you on a $120,000 year base up to $250,000 a year base plus commission. But those are stars. And I rarely see the need to pay somebody like that um, from the very beginning. I really like that kind of middle tier person. Perfect. So what is your, by the way, in your expert opinion, what is your number one? Usually I ask for a hundred thousand, but I, you're in the millions right now. So what is your number one million dollar expert insight and advice for, for businesses either looking into affiliate marketing or, uh, or trying to uh, scale their affiliate marketing uh, programs? That's a great question. I would say, because I'm a people person, I would say find the right mentor or the right peer that will help guide you and walk you through this process. Because again, I mentioned it before, like you don't know the difference. You don't know the potential of your program, right? So if you're doing $3,000 a month, you're like, mm, 
with affiliates, you're like, ah, it's not really worth my squeeze. But I might look at your business and be like, wow, you're leaving, you know, at least six figures a month on the table by not doing this, you know, in your program. So you just don't know the difference, right? So finding somebody and just paying them for their time, you know, it doesn't have to be me. There's other people that are very qualified to do this or a friend of yours that's doing affiliate marketing at scale in your same category, just saying, hey, man, instead of can I pick your brain or can I take you to coffee? Like, too busy for that right if i if i had everybody pick my brain then i wouldn't make any money right and my business i spend all my time on phone calls letting people pick my brain this is why i do things like this i can contribute you know my gifts at scale and at mass to people for free because i really care about what i'm doing and i want everyone to do it but say hey you know can i pay for an hour of your time you know 500 bucks will you look at my program and tell me you know is it competitive you know do i have the right people am i thinking of the right thing join networking groups, right? Join masterminds where people are doing what you want to do and then leverage those people to help you grow your program and give you insights. Like that's the best way of doing it. It's the best way of shortcutting your learnings and really knowing what you have is investing into the people that can help you do that. Amber, thank you for being on the show. Of course, my pleasure. I'm glad we were able to finally do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of the, This Week with Sabir. And uh, thank you for a uh, huge thank you to our listeners and audience for tuning in and joining us on the journey of learning and discovery. That's what this channel is about. Uh, so goodbye for now and catch you next week.